This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. A Monday edition, Monday, December 4th, Pot of Gold here at WNDU Studios. He's Mike Berardino. I'm Tom Noy. That is producer Jerry. And not a lot of stuff has happened since the last time we talked here on the Pot of Gold, which would be <laughs> pre-Pittsburgh. Remember pre-Pittsburgh when everything was all kumbaya and nice and neat around Notre Dame football? You mean uh, Wake, Wake Forest. Wake? Okay, Wake. Yeah, same, that's how, Wake. Yeah. same difference. That's how long. Wake, Pittsburgh. Those, those also ran ACC teams all run together. Yeah, so it would, be, it would have been pre-Wake Forest. Uh, since then, Notre Dame has beaten Stanford to finish 9-3 and three in the regular season. Uh, and a whole lot of stuff has happened in the transfer portal and the wide receivers room. We'll get to that later on in the show. But we start with the fact that after 17 hours in front of the television, Mike Berardino, that you spent on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Notre Dame finally has a bowl opponent and a bowl site. It's not the ReliQuest Bowl. It's not the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Notre Dame is headed to El Paso to play Oregon State in the Sun Bowl on December 29th, 2 p.m., CBS. No streaming, no Pac-12 network. You'll be able to see it on regular television if you have regular, if there's such things. I as bet it's on television. Paramount Plus, too. <laughs> we'll talk through Paramount Plus later on in the show. So Oregon State is the opponent. We'll start with some trivia. Let's see. The last time Notre Dame and Oregon State, who was the acting head coach for the University of Notre Dame? Oh, yeah. Um, uh-huh. Um, uh, Kent Bear. There you go. Kent Bear, the interim coach the Good last guy. time. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't around football okay. then. Oh, yeah. I wasn't covering football. Uh, Kent Bear was the interim coach when Notre Dame last played Oregon State. A 38-21 loss out there in Phoenix, I believe. Yes. In the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Well, uh, one, once was uh, the Insight Bowl. Or Insight Bowl. That, that was the one in uh, Tucson. Or no, in, uh, you're right, in Phoenix. in Phoenix. And then the previous one was the Fiesta Bowl. Fiesta Bowl in old Sun Devil Stadium. They lost that one 41-9. So Notre Dame is 0-2 against Oregon State. What was Sunday like for you? Annoying, right? <laughs> yeah, that was annoying. And, and uh, it, you know, because you're on edge, you're ready to you have the pre-write. You have pretty much, you go into, well, you go into... We'll back it up. You go into everything leading up to championship Saturday there around college football. You're thinking ReliaQuest, all the projections were going to be ReliaQuest LSU. So did you have something pre-written on LSU? And the, and the return, then the reunion with no, Brian I did I, No, because I wanted to let those games play out Saturday. And I knew that those uh, you know, Saturdays often uh, wacky in uh, championship Saturday, and it, and it was uh, at least in the – Tommy Reese portion of the bracket. Uh, good stuff there for uh, Alabama to upset Georgia. So that set off the, the domino effect. What was uh, wild is that the next domino was Florida State being left out. Um, and by the way, the, you know, nine, my day started with having to get the AP Top 25 in. Not that that affected anything, but they wanted that in by 9.30. Ralph Russo did so they could get the, the clicks there. So um, I did end up top four for me for that. Um, I moved Washington up to number one. Did first you really? Time, first time all year. I've had Georgia in there every single week, and then now they lose. I put Washington one. I put Michigan two with that with that cloud of 
When when even Eli Drinkwitz <laughs> is is dropping Connor Stallions jokes on Drink. the live, that was beautiful. Uh, you know, I just I think I'm correct that uh, Michigan's going to have to win win out to get that uh, that number one from me at least. Um, there are there Florida are Florida State three. There are some Michigan fans at the front door waiting for you after this podcast. Uh, they, they'd like to so, work yeah, with yeah. you. The uh, <laughs> and I did I you know. Would, that's a whole other debate, but you know, the short version is I put Florida State three because it it uh, did everything that was in front of it, and uh, it did beat LSU early in the year. It did beat a diminished Florida late in the year, um, and this idea that uh, and I remember, I'll just say I remember Marcus Rooster Outson, and and he f- took over for Chris Winkie way back twenty five years ago. See, he's forgotten. Everybody talks about Who? Cardell Jones getting Ohio State to the championship as a third string. Uh, quarterback due to injuries but in 1998 a guy with no business quarterbacking a championship game uh, a third stringer uh, lightly recruited um, you know lightly skilled but Bobby Bowden had no other options and they this guy made three starts uh, including the loss to Tennessee the T Martin championship for Tennessee and Florida State has been there before with a, with a backup having to go all the way to the third stringer. That case, they're allowed to figure out a way to do it on the field. This team will not be able to do that, and I don't and I don't think that's right. I, I guess I find myself oddly aligned with Booger McFarland on this one. But um, Booger Berardino, how about that? No, that's, yeah, try to outrun that. And then uh, number f- uh, number four uh, is Texas, who I did say in this studio at the start of the year would would finally own up to its live up to its potential and make a, make a playoff again. So, um, so that was the four. And in Alabama, five, Georgia, six, Ohio State, seven. That's enough of that. The rest of the day was following Brett McMurphy, who does a very good job with this. Uh, good on Brett <laughs> online. Uh, I've known Brett uh, since his uh, Tampa days, and um, he's really uh, well-sourced, and he gets, he, he's kind of like how Adam Schefter was, was ruining the draft night in the NFL with his reportage. Uh, before they could even run the card up there. Well, that's what Brett does now in a bowl scenario. And then everything stopped. It just, the gears Boom. stopped. Just stopped. Four o'clock, the show goes off, the ESPN show goes off the air. Nothing happens from four to almost 6 p.m. when we find out that it's Oregon State. And I think not knowing the particulars of it, when Florida State was not selected as a participant in the college football playoff, I think that threw everything out of whack and threw everything sideways from a conference standpoint in the ACC. They were, I th- believe the ACC was thinking, we've got Florida State in the CFP. We've got all the other teams lined up for these bowls. Everything's good to go. Let's get this done. And then Florida State gets shut out, and everything's thrown up in the air. Maybe Notre Dame's going to the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Maybe they're going to the Military Bowl. Maybe they're going to the Pinstripe Bowl. I can't see Notre Dame ever playing in the Military Bowl. I yeah, I mean, I now that we ask uh, what sort of uh, preparation that I do for uh, you know the, the, the fallout and to be ready to to publish immediately, um, I did type up a few graphs. It w- I was kind of get I was working myself into an idea that I'd be <laughs> kind of in- I like Annapolis. I've been there before. I've I've uh, I've I've covered a game there uh, when North Carolina played at, at Navy. But yeah, it's a tiny stadium. Yeah, um, you know the Sun Bowl Stadium is only technically. Uh, about forty-six thousand seats um, that they can. Uh, they, I guess they've downsized it over the years. Notre Dame set a, an attendance record there last time they were there. But that to be in the um, would have been 
very strange considering that the Navy uh, rivalry goes back almost a full century and they've never played in Navy's home stadium. Uh, that stadium is like 33,000 seats. Um, and uh, that just, they, they do play a bowl game there. The Military Bowl brought to you by what? Bowling.com or something. I, I don't, I, uh, go bowling.com. So good for them. Uh, the Pinstripe Bowl couldn't work, I guess, in the end because um, not that Notre Dame fans or any fan base would turn down a chance to go hang out in New York for, uh, for the holidays. I mean, they've seen enough Christmas in, in New York uh, movie uh, themes. Would have been just fine. But Notre Dame will be in the New York metropolitan area twice next season. Right, Tom? It's uh, the Army game at Yankee Stadium. That Army game, Yankee Stadium, the week before the USC game, and then earlier in the year, Navy at MetLife across the river in, in the Meadowlands. Yeah, so, so you know, I, I, I don't, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm like, yeah, no, that's just and Mayo Bowl, no. Although I'd like to nothing see nothing wrong Mark. with Charlotte, but nothing yeah, great about nothing it. Great what do you have against it? the Mayo Bowl? There's not like we said. There's nothing like great. Ab- yeah, I don't like mayonnaise. I don't put mayonnaise on anything. No. But I would like to see Marcus Freeman get dumped uh, you know, with a bucket of that's a, mayonnaise. That's why you do it. I you don't have to like mayonnaise to like yeah, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It's just, You're a big I mean, mayonnaise guy? No, I just like the Duke Mayo, Duke's Mayo Bowl. The fact we dump mayo on somebody is amazing. That's that's all. That's worth the price of admission. Mayo, okay, uh, rant here. Mayo, pinstripe, this, that, whatever. Why is it so freaking hard for the college football committees to get this bowl thing straightened out when they when they choose a 68 team college basketball field on that Sunday in March they get that thing done within an hour everything's seated everything's done sites teams uh, playing games this that whatever this took six hours come on it's for what and it should never should never uh, take six hours um the, one of the problems, and I think we saw, this is a train wreck that unfolded in slow motion, going back to the first time we heard from this year's uh, selection committee on Halloween night, the justifications used along the way, and only Boo Corrigan from NC State, the athletic director, had to go face the music, but you got a sense from the justifications he was using, uh, the rationalizations of, of the orderings along the way weekly, and then it got expanded. We got we got we got extra boo uh, verbiage on Sunday. And uh, frankly, um, it's a lot of nonsense. Uh, it's just like Total random. Nonsense. It's just it's kind of like uh, when I start talking on this podcast. It's like you know, it's just whatever pops in his head, <laughs> and it can't be that way boo when you're running a, a multi-billion-dollar event essentially and and you're trying to get it right now they weren't going to please everybody i'm not saying there was a way to please everybody yeah, there wasn't some fan base going to be upset but it can't be like uh well we put uh one one at one point well we had oregon up there ahead of texas because uh, uh bo nix is uh he's completing 65 percent of his passes he said <laughs> something like that at one point uh the one we talked about on this podcast when i asked the the one question of bowl season to boo was like, well, I want to know Notre Dame had just destroyed Pittsburgh, aforementioned Pittsburgh. Um, Louisville had lost at Pittsburgh and played terribly. And I know Louisville had beat Notre Dame, but then Louisville's like three spots ahead of Notre Dame mm-hmm. that week and, and the first time it came out. And I asked, well, how do you process that? I know the head-to-head, but then the, you know, the, the rest of it doesn't uh, uh, shed light on Louisville. And he, he just went off on how Jawar Jordan only had a few carries <laughs> in that game against Pittsburgh, and that's why they, you know, there was like a 
56 point difference if in that in that uh, little transitive uh, uh, exercise. So I don't know. I, I think um, it'd almost be better if they just didn't talk at all. If they just put the thing out and said, deal with it. This, here it is. Here's the entire lineup. We'll start with the college football semifinals. Yeah. Here are the New Year's Six games. And here's the rest of the Bulls. And go do with it with, with, with whatever you want to deal with. It. Here's another one. that would yeah, I agree. You know what else would help? I'd like to bring Greg Gumbel into the mix. Because Greg Gumbel, Reese Davis does a very good job, but he asks too many questions. He asks too many Way pertinent too many questions. questions. But he asks pertinent questions, but that just gets us all worked up. Greg Gumbel puts it out there, and he just, you know, Chicago, and 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 and, and, <laughs> and, then, and then he just makes it all seem like, oh, it's going to be great. And there's like, you know, it used to be Billy Packer would come on, the late Billy Packer would come on and get people worked up. You know, Jim Beheim gets a whine a little bit. But March Madness tends to go on with full acceptance that this will play out the way it can because so many people have a chance. 68 will have a chance. Uh, in this case, um, when you're left out and you're Florida State and you've got athletic directors releasing statements uh, like they do and, and Mike Norvell, the head coach, like he does, uh, it just kind of makes you think, uh, was, what was that all about? What was right. this whole season all about? If you go 13-0 and 0 and you're, you're a Power 5 school and you're, you're a conference champion and you don't get in. And you don't get in just because Jordan Travis now is, is a very, very good player. He was their best player and he did make others go. But they, that's the whole point. You find a way to work around the loss. I mean, a, a Florida State has plenty of pieces. They have an excellent defense as well. And they, they had earned the right, uh, even Jordan Travis, you know, tweeting, well, maybe I should have gotten hurt earlier in the year. <laughs> and now you're going to start. I wonder if you're going to start to see teams that get into the top four. Will there be a Jordan Travis scenario in the future where then you just sit like the most indispensable player, certainly against North Alabama or whatever that game was, uh, but you just sit that person if you think you can win without him because you don't want to have because because the committee does have the right by the bylaws as we learned their their charter or whatever to to factor in coaching uh, absences as mm -hmm. well as player absences, but my goodness, um, you know where do you draw that line? Three letters as to why what happened Sunday happened. S E C. They didn't want to leave the SEC out. They should have. If you're if you're if you're gonna, okay, you'll take Michigan, Washington, Texas. The fourth team should have been Florida State, but the Almighty SEC. Can you imagine the outcry if the SEC? Because at one point it was the SEC was going to get Georgia and Alabama in before Alabama get, be lost on Saturday. Can you imagine if the SEC in the final year of the college football playoff, the way it is, did not get one team in? It would have been anarchy. You got to put an SEC team in there. Not saying you should. But it's the SEC, and I'm sure Greg Sankey, they 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 said Greg will take care of you. It it, it certainly it certainly stirs the drink that that league. It does. It just means more. And obviously, in the <laughs> ACC, as I suggested, maybe the new slogan should be "It just means less." But <laughs> the uh, certainly in football, it seems to be that way. The other problem when when uh, when Boo Corrigan gets out there in front of the cameras and 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 Reese Davis is asking all those those tough questions. Um, he, it, he brought him back to talk about Liberty, 13-0 right. and 0 Liberty being one slot ahead of SMU, and that's a pretty big difference to get that group of five slot um, in, in a New Year's Six Bowl. And the justification there was, well, they didn't play any Power 5 teams, but they just kept winning. Thanks. Well, what did Florida State do? They, they, were, they were playing uh, ranked teams. Uh, they, they beat everybody in front of them, and they kept winning. 
and that didn't count. So I, I, I wonder if Boo Corrigan, I, I forget the quarterback's name already. There's a Liberty wide receiver who's on Notre Dame's potential uh, rumored uh, portal shopping list. So that'll be interesting. But um, other than that, Liberty's, you know, J- Jamie Chadwell done a fine job coming in there. Did a nice interview yesterday. I know he was at Coastal Carolina before. Didn't take Grayson McCall with him. Didn't need him. So um, I snuck Liberty into my top 25, but I had SMU like 19 or 20 because SMU's all year been like top 10 in ranking of offense and defense um, points allowed So and points for. So uh, they're, they're balanced and uh, their future ACC team and the ACC. I thought you were going to say the three letters were ACC, but no. they, they certainly contributed to the long delay not able to run a basically they let uh, Dwight Schrute uh, set up the conference call apparently is what was going on and uh, so they just couldn't get everybody on the line at the same time and it went on for a couple hours fascinating interview coming up with Bernie Olivas who's the Sun Bowl executive director telling us what it was like on his end on Sunday waiting for Notre Dame or waiting to hear what teams were going to wind up going to El Paso for the Sun Bowl which again Oregon State, December 29th, 2 o'clock on CBS. We'll get way deeper into Oregon State and everything else on a future podcast, but very quickly, the Beavers, 8-4 and four overall, 3-3 three and three away from home. First neutral site game of the year will be the Sun Bowl. They've lost two straight, 3-5. of five. They lost their head coach, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, now the head coach at Michigan State. They've lost their starting quarterback, DJ Uyunglele, formerly of Clemson has said he is not playing in the bowl game. He is transferring. Their second-string quarterback is in the portal as of Monday morning. So if you're a quarterback and you've got eligibility left, maybe you want to play for Oregon State against Notre Dame. So we'll talk more Oregon State later on down the line. After this break, we'll talk to Bernie Olivas, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about all the things that have happened to this Notre Dame program since the end of the season right here on Pot of Gold. Back on the Pot of Gold here at WNDU Studios, pleased to be joined by Bernie Olivas, Sun Bowl Executive Director. Bernie, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? Maybe two? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been a crazy afternoon and crazy night and crazy morning, to tell you the truth. But this is, uh, I, we just couldn't be happier. Okay, can you run us through sen- the scenario for on your end yesterday on Sunday? You get up. They have the announcement for the bowls, and and, and you're waiting. Like how, how did the process go to where you wind up getting Notre Dame and Oregon State in the Sun Bowl? You know, I'm still trying to figure that one out, but uh, but I'm not going to ask any questions. We have Notre Dame and, and Oregon State. It, uh, you know, we had we had a time when we were scheduled to get a call from the ACC office telling us who was available after the uh, the the pool of bowls that were above us. Which would have been the uh, the, uh, the the Pop Tarts Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, and and the Gator Bowl uh, had a they have a pool that are above our pool, which is the Pinstripe Bowl, the, uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and us. And we we're supposed to get the call at uh, one fifteen local time, which is three fifteen uh, Eastern time. And we got a text saying uh, we're gonna we're a little delayed. We'll call you later. And we didn't know how much later because I said, but you know, I'm waiting on a call from the Pac-12. And they said, don't worry, we, we won't even get started by then. So then we started to wait and the wait and the wait. And uh, an hour passed and we hadn't uh, heard from them. And uh, we just kept on waiting. And finally, I guess it was about uh, 3.30 our time, 5.30 our time, we got a text saying we're ready. We're ready. So we all, all three of us, uh, 
you know, hooked up on, on, on Zoom. And uh, when uh, the associate commissioner said these are the teams that are available and start out with uh, Notre Dame, we all kind of looked at it, you know, you know, looked at it and said, how did that happen? <laughs> Uh, we had no idea that Notre Dame was going to fall into our pool. And uh, we didn't know how it happened, what had happened. But then we started the negotiations. And, of course, uh, all three of us wanted Notre Dame. And obviously, everybody wanted Notre Dame in their in their bowl game. And after a lot of discussion as to who was going to get whom and uh, where we we're going to go at the end of the day, uh, when more than one team wants Notre Dame, there's a draw for that. Uh, there's a draw for that team. So they put our names in the hat and drew, and uh, we were the lucky ones. And uh, they drew our, our name as the symbol. So that's how uh, Notre Dame wound up in, in our bowl game against uh, another highly ranked team in, in Oregon State. So couldn't have asked for a better matchup. Uh, of course, Notre Dame, you know, I was just talking about every bowl in the country would like to have Notre Dame, you know, in, in their bowl game. And uh, like I said, we had them uh, 13 years ago. We had them in 2010 against Miami. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was it was a long afternoon. We waited over two hours for, you know, for us to get the phone call. But at the end of the day, uh, it, everything worked out well for, you know, for us and for the Sumble. As, wa- as you're waiting for the everything to come together, what's your thought process as to, man, we have a chance to get Notre Dame. Like, did, did you allow yourself to, to think, wouldn't it be great to have Notre Dame in El, El, El Paso? No, we had, we had no idea. We just didn't know what was taking so long. We had no idea what was taking so long. And I was, I was sitting with our committee, our football committee, you know, 11 of us that, that uh, make the decisions, that look at records and look at standings and look at opponents. We had no idea that Notre Dame was going to be in that picture until we got that phone call. Uh, we have a little, uh, uh, we have a selection Sunday party at, uh, at, a local, at a local place. And we had about 300 people, including the media, waiting on, uh, you know, waiting on see who on our announcement. And we normally do a little show. We put all the all the helmets of the schools that we think are eligible that are going to be eligible for our bowl game on the table. And then we then we have a, we play a little game. and We finally pick up the helmet that is uh, you know the, that we choose. But we had never thought we had a chance in Notre Dame, so we didn't even take that take their helmet out there. So when we made the announcement, I said, "I am sorry, but the team that we selected, we do not have their helmet." I think the bus are. Uh, started going around and finally our president, you know, announced that it was Notre Dame and, you know, you know, the place went wild. Uh, so again, we had no idea that Notre Dame was on the table until we got that phone call uh, uh, two hours after we were supposed to, to make our decisions. Talking with uh, Bernie Olivas, the executive director uh, for more than two decades, right, Bernie, of the, of the Sun Bowl. Um and uh, trying to figure out uh, still uh, how all this came to be and uh, and what's still ahead for Notre Dame. Because obviously, Bernie, you know, a lot of the fan base, maybe if they didn't go in 2010, they wouldn't know what the experience would be like. But those that did, you guys set an attendance record when Notre Dame and Miami played in 2010, uh, New Year's Eve. Um, what, do you, what are your favorite uh, memories of that of the experience you guys put on at that time and uh, what should people know about your area you put on your chamber of commerce hat for a minute what should people know about traveling it's not an easy place to get to el paso we're open to any kind of uh maybe uh suggestions on how to how to streamline that but what what's waiting for folks when they get to el paso well like i said you know el paso sits on the corner of two countries and three states uh, New Mexico, we are right on the border of New Mexico and Mexico. So we say, 
you know, uh, on the corner of two countries and three states. Mexico is a stone throw away from the stadium even. And uh, so is New Mexico. And so we sit there. We are we're pretty isolated. But you know what? It's not as difficult. I know where we sit in the middle of the desert, but it's not as difficult to get here. People might think it's usually one stop. Uh, everybody flies into Dallas or Atlanta or Los Angeles, and it's usually one flight in, you know, one flight into Dallas and into El Paso. And we we service all the major airlines here in El Paso. You know, we're 850,000 strong. We are the 21st largest city in the country. And not only that, we are one of the safest cities in the country with cities in the population of over 500,000. We sit at the base of the Rocky Mountains. As a matter of fact, El Paso is built around the southern tip of the of the Rocky Mountains. And of course, uh, and then right across the border in, in Juarez, Mexico, are the Sierra Madre. So there's there's a the way we got our name was uh, when the conquistadors landed, they had to go north to go around the Sierra Madre Mountains, and there was a pass here between the Rockies and the Sierra Sierra Madres, and they used to call it El Paso del Norte, which means the Pass of the North, and I think that's how we got our name of El Paso, which means the pass. So uh, it's a it's a beautiful it's a you know it it is in the desert, but we're at high desert. We're about a four thousand feet. We have great views from the mountain. And again, we have uh, we have the best Mexican food in the, in the country. We might have, I think, we have better Mexican food than Mexico does. Uh, but it's, there's there is uh, there are some fantastic uh, places to visit here. First of all, we have the oldest missions in the country right here in El Paso. Uh, White Sands Missile Range at White Sands National Park is only about 80 miles north of El Paso. We have Carlsbad Caverns, also in New Mexico, which is only about an hour and 10 minutes. There are so many great things to see here and around El Paso. People who who don't know us uh, sometimes are, are weary of coming this. But I tell you, once they leave, they have a tremendous experience. I think we have one of the friendliest cities anywhere. And when our Sun Bowl teams arrive, they will be welcomed not only by the Sumble Association and our and our people, but the entire city will open up their arms, not just to the players, but to anybody. If they see somebody wearing the school colors, they will greet them. They'll invite them into the restaurants or their homes. It is one of the friendliest cities you'll ever find. You guys uh, may not be the granddaddy of them all since that's the Rose Bowl, but you're not uh, uh, too much y- younger than that as a bowl, right? I mean, this would be the 90th uh, Sun Bowl, am I correct? And, and, uh, have there been times, even in your tenure of these last two decades, where it's been a battle, um, just even as these bowls have proliferated? Well, we have 42 of them now that uh, something with so much tradition has, has had to battle uh, just to stay relevant, as you have. Well, I tell you, you're absolutely right. We are 90 years old this year, which makes us the second oldest bowl in the country. And actually, we're actually tied with the Orange Bowl and the uh, Sugar Bowl as they're celebrating their 90th anniversary as well. Uh, well. Something that we have that nobody, no other bowl can claim is that we've been on CBS for 55 consecutive years. We are the second oldest property on one network. Only the Masters has been on the same network longer than the Sun Bowl has. 55 consecutive years and, uh, you know, before cable and streaming and all that came in, we, you could watch us you know, on any portable television that you had. Uh, and uh, we are very proud of the fact that CBS has remained our, part, our partner. We hope they're with, they're with us another 55 years. And by the way, I think that uh, part of the prolifer- proliferation of bowls is because of title sponsors. We were the very first bowl to ever have a, a corporate title sponsor back in 1986, when I believe there was only 16 bowls. And... Uh, 
when uh, John Hancock became the John Hancock Sun Bowl, uh, a lot of the other bowls, they kind of shunned us and how oh, you sold out to corporate America. You know, you couldn't make it on your own. Well, I tell people, how do you like us now? You couldn't have a bowl now without a title sponsor. And I think we started that trend. And uh, whether it's good or bad, now there's 43 bowls around and they all have uh, somebody helping them with their expenses. You spend most of Sunday waiting and wondering and waiting and wondering. You finally have a team. You finally have a matchup. You finally have a bowl game. What's the process like now for you and your staff moving forward? Well, first thing we have to do is uh, both advanced parties will come in either tomorrow or Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday, and we will go over our team manual, go over every, every event. We'll do side visits to the stadium, to the practice facilities, to the hotels. Uh, and that takes about, well, that takes about uh, a day and a half. So I believe Notre Dame is going to arrive here on Wednesday and Thursday. Oregon State will be here either tomorrow or Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday. And we just go over to the entire team manual and go, uh, you know, step by step uh, all the way to game time. Uh, and then after that, well, we'll, you know, locally we'll be preparing for, you know, for all the events that we have. I think we have some very unique events that the players will, will experience and the coaches will experience. And uh, I think there, there are some experiences that won't forget. It's been mentioned, Bernie, uh, speaking with Bernie Olivas, uh, the executive director of the Sun Bowl, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, I should say. Um, the, uh, the idea that it felt chaotic yesterday as everyone waited for those hours your your wait was excruciating those just following along or report about it fan base it's a you know fan interested in all-time high it seems in college football but the system felt broken and uh i don't know if uh if you concur with that but what are maybe one or two changes that that you'd like to see for the bulls that that do have to wait down in the pecking order who are not New Year's Six Bulls, not associated with the, the four-team or soon-to-be 12-team playoff next year. How should that next wave be handled? What Was there a time when we already had the system that you liked, you'd like to see that brought back? What's um, With all that experience and, and all those war stories, how would you fix to what me, feels like a broken system? Well, to be honest with you, the selection process yesterday was an aberration. Normally, it takes less than 20 minutes for us to know both our teams, and it's always worked to perfection. I don't know what happened above us, uh, and I pretty much, I believe, like I said, this is my thoughts because I haven't spoken to anybody, is the fact that Florida State did not make it to the playoffs as an undefeated Power 5 school, I think, uh, sent some, some of the universities down the line a little bit, and that's where, and that's where it began. Uh, I didn't expect, I don't think anybody expected for Florida State with a 13-0 record out of a Power 5 conference, ranked number four in, in the CFP, not to make it to the playoffs. And I think when that happened, uh, and then it, mo- it moved them down into a New Year's Six Bowl rather than a, rather than a, uh, than a CFP Bowl, I think that, that kind of uh, changed everybody's thoughts as to who was going to be available. And that's what slowed it down. Before today, uh, before this year, it worked, it worked like magic. Uh, I'd get a call from the Pac-12 at uh, 1.15. I'd get a, a call from the ACC at 1.30. And in less than five minutes, we, all they said was, okay, so this team is gone, this team is gone. These are the teams that are available. Who do you want? We'd select. And it was over. So I think yesterday was an elaboration. I think it, it has never happened before. Uh, uh, and I don't think I really don't think the selection process with the ACC uh, is broken. It just ran. It just had a hurdle to climb. I th- I believe based on the fact that 
Florida State did not make the CFP with their record and, you know, with their standing. When a 12-team playoff comes to college football next year, how concerned are you with what, what the future of the Sun Bowl and other, uh, other bowls hold? Uh, you know, we're a little concerned. Uh, uh, first of all, this this year definitely gives a reason to have a uh, an expanded playoff. Do I, like I said, my, do they need to go to 12? I thought eight would cover it. Uh, I thought eight would cover it because that would cover all the power five champions plus give some of the, give the, uh, you know, the group of five an opportunity to be in the playoffs as well. Uh, personally, uh, I think, having the first round on home uh, on home fields kind of hurts the bowls because that eliminates you know that eliminates four bowls from being played or at least four teams uh i thought i thought eight teams with everybody playing and and nobody getting a bye would work better but of course uh that's above my pay grade that was, those are my thoughts but i definitely i, I think uh i think the expansion of the, the playoffs is absolutely is now necessary based on what happened this year you know, with Florida State and, and some of those schools. But uh, I, I just hope it doesn't continue to grow. I personally think there's a big difference between number one and number 12 in college football. Uh, I think one and eight is still one and eight. It might still be a big difference. But I, I think uh, I think every every conference champion ought to have an, an opportunity to play for the national championship. Bernie, uh, the, the uh, there was at least one report um, yesterday that uh, that three of those bowls in that first tier, I guess, uh, that had ACC tie-ins, uh, Pop-Tarts, Holiday, and Gator, were not allowed to pick Notre Dame. Uh, ends up with NC State and the Pop-Tarts, Louisville and the Holiday, Clemson and the Gator, um, and that caused that that domino effect. Uh, why you guys didn't even have the Notre Dame helmet? Of course, you would you you, you would have had the helmet if you thought they were even a possibility. Can you confirm that that it was the case? Do you understand? Uh, are we clear on why that might have been the case, or or is that still something being hashed out? I am not aware of of what happened in the in the tier above us. I I really am not. Uh, when we when it got to our to, to our turn uh, to get on the call, uh, we were more interested in 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 selecting our teams. We had people waiting. I think every other bowl bowls matchup had already been announced, except the, the ACC. So we did not go into that. So they did not divulge what happened above us. And I have not spoken to anybody from the ACC or even the other, those, those three bowls that were in, in that, uh, in, you know, in that pool. I am, I do not know what happened. Uh, again, it was kind of a shock to us when, when they said that Notre Dame was available to our pool. And I have not, uh, I've, ever since that happened, I've been so busy that <laughs> I have been concentrating on, on, on making sure that I make all the connections with Notre Dame and Oregon State, but I, and this is the honest truth, I I have no idea why they were not selected above us. And how quickly this week are you going to be able to get a Notre Dame helmet down there? You know, <laughs> I had a Notre Dame helmet from 2010. I just didn't know. <laughs> I just had no idea. I sat in with my marketing guys of which helmet shall I take, and I said, well, take North Carolina, you know, take take this, take this, take you know Georgia Tech, take Duke. And then on the other side, takes USC, take Oregon State, take Utah. Notre Dame never entered my mind uh, because we looked at the record and I said they will never get down to our, they will not get down to our, you know, to our our pool. And sure enough, uh, I had no idea, but it Bernie, happened, and uh, we're very happy. Bernie, that'll take care of it. We know you're swamped. We can hear your office back there we're already busy on a Monday morning. We really appreciate the time and look forward 
to getting down to El Paso for this year's Sun Bowl, Notre Dame, Oregon State. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. Thank you, Bernie. That's Bernie Olivas, Executive Director of the Sun Bowl. Pretty busy this Monday morning, so glad he was able to spend a little bit of time with us. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up this edition of Pot of Gold here, right here at the WNDU Studios. Back on this edition of Pot of Gold here at the WNDU Studios, your home for Countdown to Kickoff. Still waiting to see whether or not we'll have a Countdown to Kickoff when it's Notre Dame and Oregon State from El Paso on December 29th, 2 o'clock, CBS. We've talked Notre Dame, Oregon State. We've talked the Sun Bowl. Now let's talk Notre Dame football because what in the world's going on at Notre Dame football, Mike Berardino? People are jumping into the portal. Coaches are getting fired. We may or may not have a new transfer portal quarterback here coming to Notre Dame in January. Where do we start? Like, what's been the biggest? What's been the biggest story since that game ended out at Stanford Stadium Thanksgiving weekend? Uh, what was it? Ten days ago. Ten days ago. What has what has been so the most surprising storyline of Notre Dame football in the offseason? That's uh, uh, Rico Flores. Rico Flores uh, bolting after you know blossoming right before our eyes as a as a guy who's so productive and so mature and had you know uh, just had overcome so much already. It seemed like he was a guy that Notre Dame Nation was going to embrace and that he would uh, perhaps uh, you know let's not go too crazy off of twenty six catches I think but uh, he was he was really good this year and really reliable and um it just the trend line was was uh, it was exciting for people to watch and um he's gone so uh, i would say that's that's the lightning bolt but then right behind that 1a is chancy stuckey out because his he was the one who who got this recruiting he, he revamped that room with his recruiting skill uh, with his connection ability, with his teaching ability, with his with his wacky drills, with with bringing in the seeker uh, to, to to fire you know thousands of, of balls of, you know robotically at these guys in the off season, just every, he was turning over all the stones. Seemed like a real asset to the program. And when you see four wide receivers go now, Tyree had entered the graduate transfer uh, portal as a graduate transfer the day before Stucky um, was dismissed. Um, but uh, you, you have to think, then you see Braylon James, you see Tobias Merriweather and Rico Flores. That's a bad week in one room. It's a really bad week. Like they're down to what, four wide receivers for the bowl game now? Four healthy They're going to have K.K. Smith K. K. coming Smith. out with his debut. Uh, we don't yeah. know what he can do. That was another guy that Stucky believed in uh, from the Texas area. But, um, yeah, you know, you're, talking, you're counting Salerno. You're counting uh, Jaden Thomas. Uh, you're counting Jordan Faison, uh, you know, talk about the trend line for somebody, uh, you know, he was just the lacrosse guy, and now he's not even on lacrosse scholarship, he's on football scholarship. Now he's the football they guy. They are he, counting on the football guy. and He's and, he's become a lax guy who plays football, now he's become the football guy who just I will to say, play lax. I don't doubt his ability to keep that trend line going, because mm-hmm. everything we've seen is, uh, you know, short area quickness, uh, it doesn't drop anything, uh, always open. All those things um, going to be a nice, uh, a, a nice and, uh, security blanket for uh, Riley Leonard, we suppose, when he gets here. So, um, wait, what did that, did I miss something? Did I miss a TTP? Oh, those are the reports out huh? there. Multiple reports that 
that uh, Riley Leonard is. We're not ignoring it. Uh, we've, we've, you know, and geez, uh, um, just look at his Instagram. He's 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 following everybody uh, who's ever worn a gold helmet. It seems so. Uh, I don't know. It's gonna. It makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's been. Geez, it was percolating even before Notre Dame got down to play Duke. Uh, Somehow that even amid that kind of start that Riley Leonard would fit the profile. Uh, For a long time, it was Leonard or Michael Pratt. Leonard or Michael Pratt. The Tulane situation, that's fluid too because Willie Fritz is on the move uh, to Houston. Houston. um, It's it's sure seeing now, you know, today – Kyle McCord goes into the portal, but you know Notre Dame got out in front this time. It looks like got out in front, as Marcus Freeman said on Monday in his uh, Zoom. Every minute counts. That's something he learned about the portal last year. Not that they mismanaged it because they had Sam Hartman lined up he all was through lined December, up. all right. lined up. Probably even you know the minute Sam Hartman gave an interview down at Wake Forest, and when they asked, "Is there any chance you come back next year?" At Wake, he said, "No chance, no chance." And so Next you don't chapter. say that if you're if you're, that's even a possibility, because as we know, they love him at Wake Forest. They really do love him in Dave Clawson world. How surprising is Chancey Stucky? Well, like uh, as as this season was was going the way it was offensively, you you kind of had a feeling that there was going to be somebody that was going to be the fall guy for what didn't happen offensively. And Chancey Stuckey, just for whatever reason, Chancey Stuckey's that fall guy. Like, yeah, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's justified at all, but I could see where if you're going to have a scapegoat and and you're going to bring Jared Parker back as a coordinator, um, where else are you going to look? I mean, um, the very fact that Marcus Freeman in both years of Chancey Stuckey's time here has chosen uh, to mention that it's a it's not just on the quarterback even when we're talking we were talking about why can't drew pine do anything down the field mm-hmm. he's like hey you got to get open right. you got to have people get open um i will say that there are metrics that carried on into this season where and i've i've posted this that notre dame's route efficiency uh, as measured by Pro Football Focus, how they do that, not exactly sure on that part. But the route efficiency was like number five in the country, right up there with all the usual suspects: Michigan, Washington, you know, the the one Georgia, the people who who just are always open. So uh, Sam, it's, it's it's a weird one to process why the the offense, the, why the passing game didn't always click. The injuries were ill timed this year. The injuries to. Uh, the, the lack of the, the people you needed to step up didn't necessarily step up. There were some nice revelations in Flores and Faison. And then I just think that um, Chancey Stuckey is a big personality who's done other jobs. He's not just a football coach lifer. He's been TV guy. Uh, he's, he's got, you know, he, he considered being going into ministry before mm-hmm. Dabo Sweeney brought him, Sweeney brought him into coaching. Um, and, uh, you know, the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens, we, I talked about it with them in July, that uh, that was something that he was very interested in doing. He did interview with the Ravens. He, he, um, he could end up being his former NFL wide receiver in three different markets. Brady Quinn was not happy with the move. <laughs> he went on Twitter. Brady Quinn kind of the, well, more than kind of. I mean, he's, he's involved with the, the friends of the University of Notre Dame, right? And, and he's a front man in many ways, uh, an ambassador still for his alma mater. And he... Played with Chancey Stuckey with the Browns, threw passes to him there, and remains friends with him. And was said he was what very disappointed that uh, that that fell apart at his alma mater. And I'm sure a lot of fans and followers were. But 
this Mike Brown from Wisconsin is more than just another guy who used to work at Cincinnati with Marcus Freeman. He's a guy who has been around some of the uh, top offensive minds in this generation, going back even to his time, as I noted in the story um, on, on uh, South Bend Tribune, that he's been around Jed Fish when he was playing for the uh, Jaguars in the NFL. Jed Fish now with Arizona, got them into the top 20. He's always been a brilliant offensive mind by reputation. And and it looks like Mike Brown, like if for for people who don't know, yes. Mike Brown is going to be the new wide receivers head co- or wide receivers coach at Notre Dame. Thirty four years old, coached at Cincinnati, currently a coach at Wisconsin. But all indications are Mike Brown will be the new wide receivers coach at Notre Dame. Yeah, because you even have uh, the key figures in this recruiting class. And by the way, the, the early signing dates on uh, coming up in a couple of weeks on mm-hmm. the twentieth of December. Uh, Cam Williams knew him well from the recruiting. Uh, circuit and uh, uh logan soldate uh is a big fan of him as well so it could be a seamless transition as they churn they, they got to churn that room the other thing i like that i put in the story today at, at indian insider and south Penn tribune that um going back and researching how he how he hit the ground running in the one just one year at wisconsin five years with luke fickle but one at wisconsin um he had to he brought in four transfer portal receivers last year at Wisconsin, and he talked about how he had to merge those personalities and abilities with the people that had stayed in Wisconsin in that turnover. So I don't know if Notre Dame brings in four, but he's on record saying he likes to have 11 or 12 scholarship receivers in his room just to to manage the wear and tear, not run those guys into the ground. Stuckey, I believe, the number he used to like was 10. Um, They're going to have a hard time getting to 12. Uh, (laughs) They're going to have a hard time getting to 10, but... Um, can they get to eight? They do have. Let's Mike, see if they can get to eight. They have. Those, they have Williams, uh, Micah Gilbert, Soldate. Those, those three really good pieces coming in. They've got the guys we've mentioned previously, and then they're going to bring in uh, at least two. Uh, it appears transfer portal guys, and it could be a guy with a thousand yard season uh, in his back pocket from last year. Uh, Chris Mitchell from Florida International is mm-hmm. has been uh, on social media uh, with his Shamrocks. So. Um, but it doesn't mean that he's committed here yet. I think the latest is that he's he's thinking about it. So and they do. There's a lot of it's a it's a, every minute does count. And uh, in most cases out there, I don't know if it's the Notre Dame approach, but in most cases out there, every dollar counts. And so uh, some of these situations, every opportunity counts. And so these guys have to. Uh, and they have got handlers and they've got family and um, yeah, the, the the wild wild week. In the Notre Dame wide receiver room. And it will be a wild, wild week, maybe a wild, wild month for college football because as of midnight tonight, the transfer portal is now officially open. It opens until January 2nd, I believe. It's 30 days, yeah. Yeah, 30-day transfer window. So already uh, Monday morning before we even started this podcast, by 8 o'clock this morning, Kyle McCord, Ohio State quarterback, is in the portal. Dylan Gabriel, quarterback at Oklahoma, is in the portal also already crystal balled by the recruiting experts that he's going to wind up at Washington. So it's going to be last week. We heard, we heard from a number of Notre Dame fans, Notre Dame followers on, on Twitter, on email, on text, what in the world's going on with Notre Dame. They've got 10 guys in the portal. Why is Holden stays leaving? Why is Ramon, Ramon Henderson leaving? We talked about Braylon James and Tobias Murrayweather. Ryan Barnes is the latest in the portal. Notre Dame has 10, but all the schools, whether it's whatever school it is, 
power power five school, other school, FBS school, these guys are going to go in the portal because that's the way of college football today where you may have a really good situation you're in right now, but you believe you're in a, you can find a better situation. That's why some of these guys have left Notre Dame. Notre Dame will continue to probably lose guys in the portal and maybe get a couple of guys in the portal as this moves forward, but it's the way of college football. You don't like your situation. You feel like you can get a better situation. Eh, I'm going to go in the portal and see what's what because it's not – this is not college football as we've come to know it. It's different, and it's free agency. So you don't like your situation? Go in the portal. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Freeman has, has spoken about how he doesn't take it personally. Uh, and understands. <laughs> I think he does. No, he understands it fully if the if the guy has his degree. Degree, true. That's the dif- that's the differentiator. What's the so when a Chris Tyree says I'm going to try another situation as a grad transfer? Mm-hmm. Nana says that. Uh, Ramon Henderson says that. Fully understand. Zeke Carell says that. You know, that's fully understandable um, and uh, justifiable. And you could see it from either perspective. You know, I, I, generally, uh, you know, he did want Tyree back, Freeman. He was right. lobbying for him publicly. But when a guy, uh, the stat I can't remember, it's it jarring um, that uh, with the five skill position guys who've gone in the portal for Notre Dame, uh, including Holden Stays, mm-hmm. um, 12 remaining years of eligibility. So... You know, you got Braylon James. Four of those are his out in front. What will he do with them? But Chancey Stuckey famously said he's the freakiest of them all in terms of his <laughs> athletic ability. Tobias Merriweather still has two more. Uh, Chris Tyree has the one. Stays has two. Um, and, of course, Rico Flores with three. Will they use them? We don't know. But that's, you know, I, I thought of it in terms of the, how co- covering all the years of baseball. When trades are made, it's about years of control. Mm-hmm. All the time, yeah. Well, you know, he's coming up on arbitration, whatever. He's gonna. You know, we're swapping one year of control. We'll take the big star for one year, and then give you, you know, six combined years of control for those two pieces. Think of eligibility as control. Twelve remaining years of control to to whatever extent you can control their path anymore as uh, is out the door. Also, Tom, how alarming is it that uh, the um, that group, including Stays accounted for 39% of Notre Dame's passing receptions, mm-hmm. total receptions, 45% of the of the passing game's yardage and 36% of the touchdowns this season when everybody felt there wasn't enough of any of those things. All right. It's hard. So that's the transfer portal. Maybe this week, maybe the following week cuz we don't know what Notre Dame's bowl schedule is yet. We're still waiting on a bowl conference call with Notre Dame and Ohio yeah. and Oregon State. Maybe that happens later today. Mike Bird, you know, checking his email yeah, check right again. now. You know, that's a to big see. <laughs> why not? To see if there is anything no, set. No. And there is not as of today. So we don't know about that. But the next hurdle that we're going to eventually clear between now and bowl day, December 29th, is who's playing in the bowl for Notre Dame. There will be opt-outs. I believe we've seen the last of Audric Estime after he ran for 230-plus yards at Stanford. Oh, yeah. He's done. I believe Cam Hart should be done with his injury history and his goal of going to the NFL. Joe Alt, maybe. Oh, absolutely done. Absolutely. absolutely. Top 10 pick. There's some people that think Joe Alt's going to play. No, that would, be, that would be a mistake. The top yeah. 10 pick. I, th- I, I saw in the one. Top five. Top yeah, three. I saw he was, a, he was going to the Chicago Bears at number four. Wow. So, yeah, if you're a top five pick, there's, it. there's no way you're playing in the Sun Bowl. So those are the... Cam Hart, Audric Estimate, Joe Alt, 
Those are the obvious opt-outs. We do know from their their Senior Bowl or East-West Shrine Bowl, Maris Leofau, J.D. Bertrand. J.D. Bertrand are done after this year. They will not pursue another year at the University of Notre Dame. If they go ahead, I mean, they have accepted that publicly, and kind of the understanding is you don't back out of that. Right. I suppose there's always a chance. Sure. Brady Quinn gets on the phone. Somebody's like, Tom Mendoza is like, we'd really like you to stay one more year. No, I, I don't know how it works exactly, but but you can guess. But, no, they have linebackers coming in, and, and – uh, and uh, KVA is going to hit the ground running here. He just got his fifth star, apparently. He's going to be a five-star uh, recruit, the linebacker from California, from, well, from uh, uh, Uyunglele's uh, old school, uh, Bosco, I believe. But um, Don Bosco Prep. Yeah, about but, uh, uh, you know, and Jalen Sneed get get on the field uh, more next year, and uh, maybe Nolan Ziegler completes a – an inspirational comeback and plays defense as well as special teams and et cetera. And, and of course, Jaden Osbury. So yeah. Um, who else uh, might um, opt out of the game? Well, there's a guy named uh, Hartman who we have to keep an eye on and maybe we bat that around a bit. How, what, what do you advise Sam Hartman to do? What's in it for him when he's pretty much passed all the people he needed to pass in the career stat list and there's no championship to be won and, and uh, it's another ranked team uh, that he could face. He hasn't beaten many ranked teams in his history, as he loves to discuss. And uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's a coin flip. This, this gets into a little murky area because then if you say, well, Sam Hartman needs to play because it's important that this program get to 10 wins. I don't agree with that whatsoever because let's say, let's say Sam Hartman plays, Joe Walt miraculously he plays, Notre Dame rolls past Oregon State to get to 10 wins. Why is 10 wins so freaking important in college football? Because you look at 10 and 3, great, Notre Dame wins 10 games. But you look at 10 and 3 and you see Ohio State, L, Louisville, L, Clemson, L. Okay, you won 10 games, but those are three games you should have won with Sam Hartman. So what is what is bringing Sam Hartman back for the bowl game and, and, and having him turning it over to, to Sam Hartman the way you did in September or October or, no, or November. What does that really accomplish if you're Notre Dame? Like, I want to see Steve Angeli. I want to know if Steve Angeli, before you go down the road with Riley Leonard, I want to, I want to know if Steve Angeli can play a full game. Give Steve Angeli the symbol. What, what, are you, what do you owe Sam Hartman if you're Notre Dame? What do you owe him to go play in the Sun Bowl? Nothing. Nothing. Sam... Thanks for coming. You got a seven-figure payout to come to Notre Dame. You got a million-plus dollars. You led us to a 9-3 season. Thanks for coming, but we're going to see what Steve Angeli can do. Why not say that? How much did he get? I'd say he got over a million dollars. Maybe as much as two. Maybe as much as two. Okay, so seven figures, right? Yeah, because you got Matt Rule running around saying uh, – at Nebraska, that the number, you know, that there's, there's, there's like three levels there. One, 1. 1.5, and two for quarterbacks. You yeah. want to get a quarterback. They're all seven figures, these guys who are stabbed, all these guys floating around. And so there's no shame in that. That's just the, the, the lay That's of the business. land. That's, That's the way business at. works now. Yeah. Like, if you, can get a, if you can get a million five to go play quarterback. But, okay, so he gets all his right. money. But you're, you're coming at it from the perspective of Notre Dame saying that they don't owe him anything. Does he owe... Notre Dame, anything? Absolutely nothing. He still hasn't bought Al, Al Gold in that Ferrari. Yeah, well, he owes two Ferraris. He owes Doesn't him he two, own two Ferraris. Ferraris? He, buy uh, Al Gold in his Ferrari, and you know what? Prepare yourself for the NFL because 
at the end of the day, they get they had Sam Hartman, but they're nine and three. Here's where the here's where the and I know round numbers. It's it's silly. Uh, it's just it's it's in 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 any realm we're hung up on round numbers. But here's the problem: Brian Kelly exited with five straight ten win seasons. He did and. Five straight. Marcus Freeman's total number of 10-win seasons, zero at the moment. Just the, he wants one. You know he, you know he wants to get that one. Does it mean anything? No. It's just kind of because it, 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 it's going to sit there if, they, if they're you know, stuck on the two straight nine of four seasons. Hasn't, that's one of those things, an unchecked box. Hasn't gotten to the 10-win level. There's all these other coaches who win 10 every year. By the way, and, and looking stuff up, I, I had forgotten this because you covered the Fiesta Bowl. I had forgotten that uh, Oklahoma State game. Mm-hmm. That Mike Gundy, that Mike Gundy's at 18 straight, <laughs> 18 straight winning seasons and bowl games, bowl qualification out of 19. He, he had a little, and of course, he, I just think of him, you know, bad haircut. Uh, remember him as a quarterback. I'm a man. I'm 40. Well, he's 56 he's now. 56. Still hasn't had a, a losing season since he turned 40. But that's Oklahoma State. They're good with being 8 and 4 and 9 and 3 and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like that. I'm not saying that he's but I'm saying that he's got a lot he's got a few 10 win seasons in there too. But yeah, when when your predecessor had 5 in a row, set 10 win, the bar had been set up there and then there's a sense well, bringing in this new energetic uh, guy, the next guy will take us beyond to the spot that the guy who could get you to above average but not great, not not elite, not memorable. Um, that's a, that's, that there's something there, but I still don't, uh, I still, uh, I, you're I, I wrestling with it over there. I am. I, I, I don't, um, I just, I don't know how that conversation will, there will be more conversations there. It sounds like that probably already happened with Freeman and, uh, Hartman, um, what's in it for either side. I think there's something in it for both sides. Um, as long as Hartman, uh, you know, can, can avoid the, um, another weird injury or, or, or anything that sets him back in his preparation for uh, for combine because he's still a third-day pick, it looks like. He is. And you talked about unchecked boxes. Here's another unchecked box for Marcus Freeman. Yeah, get to 10 wins. You check that 10-win box. Unchecked boxes, Ohio State, Clemson. Well, they're not on the schedule next year. They're not. So that's why you need easy it. schedule. That's next why year. you need easy, <laughs> easy, easy. Just schedule. go to Kyle Field, where where it's going to be 120 degrees with a new quarterback, yeah, right. uh, a new Elko, wide receivers coach. Yeah, Elko uh, knows what he's doing. Mike Elko's going to have that place flying in late late yeah, late August. Right. I, I retract September. that. Not an easy schedule. Not an easy. Louisville schedule. coming here too. And Jeff Brom shopped very effectively on the fly. Let's see how he shops in this portal. And Louisville, uh, I mean, somehow if you can be salty about ending ending up in San Diego for your bowl uh, season, rough. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna come out of that, and then Louisville comes to Notre Dame, and uh, next year. So that's a that's a dangerous one. But uh, not you know, of course, and then at USC, who knows where that'll be? But they now have the former UCLA defensive coordinator, not Alex Grinch. Um, but they don't have Caleb Williams, all that. So, yeah, I retract easy, but easier than uh, less daunting, can I say? Less daunting than this year's schedule. But you had a team this year that yes. was built to win. You yes. had a defense. You yes. had Sam Hartman. You had 10 wins right there, 11 wins. Didn't happen. Seeing uh, these, all these guys, all these quarterbacks who can beat you, uh, especially Milrow, Daniels, 
Um, you know, uh, Penix doesn't do it this way, but the the dual threat quarterback that can that can take even Sam Hartman <laughs> at his moments. He, that's not what he's known for, <laughs> but we were both there in Durham. Riley Leonard um, really can wear down a defense without even throwing a pass. Um, he, he's a big physical guy, and, and if that's how it does turn out, uh, that he's Notre Dame's next quarterback, that's going to take a lot of pressure off the running back room that won't have Estime anymore. It's going to take pressure off a receiver room that's been diminished, and, uh, of course, Jared Parker calling the plays because when all else fails, there's a 6'4", 200-pound guy coming around the edge uh, running over people. And, and, and uh, aren't, I wonder what the conversation will be like when he, when he meets uh, Jordan Botello. If yeah. Botello comes back since he was ejected for uh, targeting, went right at his, uh, well, I guess he kind of targeted his chest more than his helmet. JJB was on him too, but he's out of eligibility. What about, how, was it how, who, was the, who twisted his ankle? Well, that was Howard Cross. Howard and Cross? Howard Cross III yeah. will be here as well. We, uh, it looks like uh, at this point, the smart money appears to be that he returns. That's, that would be a big retention. It would be. Um, and then, you know, automatic team captain. That's a nice thing. When, when Let's see. So they're churning out the cap. Bertrand looks like he's moving on. Uh, Hartman's out of eligibility. Hart moving on, it looks like. Um, Joe Alt moving on. And Joe Alt moving on. So you got you got fresh. You got all these captain. Uh, the, the conversations are, yeah, you got a pretty good shot to be a captain. Um, and and that that is something I have to believe. No, the, the difference between coming here and, and being a starter, mm-hmm. even for four years, and leaving having never been a captain, Versus going, which um, you know, maybe that's what gets Jack Kaiser back one more time. Maybe Jack Kaiser has to consider coming back one more time. Um, that because, and playing time. Yeah, and playing some playing time would be nice. Um, because then every every meeting room you go into, you know, the, well, no, former Notre Dame captain's coming in to close the deal. <laughs> and uh, I think that just puts you, that's another, you talk about checking boxes. I do. That's a, that's a nice box to check. There'll be some people who come back with that as a potential sweetener. No promises now, no promises, but pretty good shot. Ben Morrison will kind of get the Joe Alt treatment next year, I would mm-hmm. think, be a captain in, in, a, in his third year as he heads off, gets ready to head off to the NFL. Um, Howard Cross and, uh, yeah, it's, um, we're, already, we're already naming captains. We're naming captains for 224. So <laughs> we'll finish out 2023. What's going to happen in the transfer portal when Riley Leonard becomes official? C.J. Carr is coming in this month to That's compete yeah. uh, for during bowl prep. We'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with the coaching staff and everything else. This will wrap up this edition. We'll talk more Oregon State, Notre Dame as we get closer to the Sun Bowl, December 29th, a Friday, 2 p.m. from El Paso, Texas. Mike Berdino has got to go make travel plans to El Paso. Have fun with that. So this has been the Pot of Gold recorded live here at WNDU Studios, your home for Countdown to Kickoff. We'll talk to you maybe next week. We'll see you. This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Baradino, and Austin Huff.